This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. If Kay ever wants to stop by, that'd be cool, but we really would like to see Coach, Coach stop yeah. by and be part of the uh, part of the family here. Um, if you're into lax, this is your hour of Packer and Durham. Uh, John Donowski coming up in about 15 minutes, Dana Boyle and half an hour. Uh, we'll recap Carolina's win at Virginia last night on the ladies' card. But first, ladies and gentlemen, let's run it out to the world-famous Hilton on Hillsborough Road, where apparently ACC Network Lacrosse's HQ is established. Chris Cotter yesterday, and of course, from the expanded suite, we welcome Paul Carcaterra back to the uh, Packer and Durham program. Carc, good morning. How are we? Good morning, man. I'm fantastic. Get to spend uh, the weekend on Tobacco Road at Duke, Virginia yesterday and Carolina Q's tomorrow. So, yeah, man, just in the hotel. And it's it's a good place to be, though. I, I love I love being down in Duke. I love being down in Carolina. I actually was watching this segment earlier. I saw Mike Elko at a restaurant last night. I had a conversation with him. He's He is a football guy, Pack. I know you mentioned, like, he's a football guy. Like, that is a football coach, right? He was there with his parents. Nice restaurant, had his Duke football sweatshirt on. Like, there's no fluff with him, man. He's, he's ready to coach ball. <laughs> yeah, meat, potatoes, football. That's, that's what we're doing here. Uh, by the way, I watched yesterday because uh, Cotter was on, and he kept talking about, well, you know, Duke gets off to these slow starts in Virginia defensively, mm-hmm. what they did in North Carolina, holding him to four goals. And, man, lo and behold, Duke put a thumping on the Hoos yesterday. I mean, Brendan O'Neill was a grown man. They had no answers for him. That was a really you, – you kept emphasizing how important a game that was for Duke. Uh, they were really impressive yesterday. They were. I thought their season was on the line, to be honest with you, because they didn't have a top-10 win, and with only a few weeks in the season left, and, you, you know, you have to play North Carolina and Notre Dame. Those are two teams that I think potentially could be in the mix. But, you know, the only way that you controlled the fact that you were going to play in May and go to the NCAA tournament was by getting this win against Virginia, and they did. The craziest thing for me, though, is is how much Duke has owned Virginia in this series. Mm-hmm. John Donowski is 16-0 against Virginia in the regular season. He arrived at Duke in 2007. He's never lost to Virginia in the regular season. It's not like, you know, Virginia is some team that, that can't get it done. They won the last two national titles. Uh, so I, I just felt there was a sense of urgency out of Duke once the game started, but I'm not going to lie to you. I said it before the game, and, you know, I I have every reason to think this um, yesterday. Duke is the one team in the country that I could have seen not making the playoffs this season based on the way they played, but also I could see them winning a national title. There's no other team that, like, Hmm. it's that wide of a margin in terms of what they could do. All right, so are the Blue Devils still walking that fine line, Kark, after yesterday's win, or did that buoy enough for them to – to kind of be in the in the normal bracket, if you will. Are they still kind of on that fine line, though? I think they're okay. We, you know, with, with two games left, I think if they split against North Carolina and Notre Dame, they'll be fine. Um, to, to me, I think the Virginia win just just gave them that that street cred. They, they had, a, a you know, three or four wins uh, against teams 10 through 20 in the national poll, but this Virginia win was, was, was a real win. And, you know, Pac, you mentioned – uh, Brendan O'Neill, you know, he had he had four goals and three assists in the game, and they were against Cole Kastner, who I think is the first-team All-American, one of the top three defenders in the country. 
when O'Neal plays with like that kind of sense of urgency, oftentimes you say like, this guy's the best player in the country. But like Duke, there's been some spots where he's been inconsistent against Manhattan. He had one assist against high point. He was, he was held scoreless, zero points. So a, a lot like Duke, you just, you just don't know what you're getting out of the blue devils. But when you see the pieces that they have and you break it down player for player, you know, you, you could argue they're, the most talented team in the country. You know, Maryland's the best team in the country because they move the ball at hyperspeed and their their offense is almost impossible to stop because of their patterns and because of how quick the ball movement is. But Duke, man for man, is, 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 is a sight to be seen. And then, you know, you look at Virginia right now, that's a nicked-up team. Mm-hmm. Petey LaSalle, their face-off specialist, he's the best ground ball player in program history. He's broken that record. He's got another year left as well. He has the upper body injury. And Matt Moore, one of the top scorers in Virginia history, he's got the lower body injury. He's hardly able to run. And Connor Schellenberger, who a lot of people think, me included, uh, is the best overall player in college lacrosse, he, he doesn't look right. I mean, he's a player in the last few games is shooting under 20% when he was shooting 50% on the season. He looks a little nicked up. He's you know He's been banged up the last few weeks in, in games. You see him holding kind of his, his arm or his shoulder area. So... It's it's a problem for for Virginia, but I don't think long term it is. I think they just need to get healthy. They play tomorrow against Quinnipiac. I'm I'm anxious to see how Lars Tiffany rolls that team out because you know a lot of times you want to take every game seriously and you want to put your horses out there to get a W. But I think he has a legitimate reason to sit some of these guys. By the way, how good was Adler yesterday? Huh? I mean, he, he oh. was he was taking some shots yesterday and it was just like, hey, it was his day. Right. I mean, I don't yeah. know what floor he stays over there at that luxurious Hilton. You guys are over there at 15501, <laughs> but he got out of the right side of the bed. Man, he was making saves yesterday that were ridiculous. Ridiculous. Career high. He had over 20 saves um, on the day. And, and the type of saves, like you mentioned, I mean, he was flopping from pipe to pipe and just selling out. And every save he made, it looked like it took all the effort in the world to make, mm. right? They were like those dramatic selling out type saves. Um, Virginia had a little bit of a run in the third quarter, and, and Adler had nine saves in that quarter. Um, that was the, the defining moment of the game, I thought, because Virginia had some juice. They were finding ways in their ride to get the ball offensively, the ride like the full court press and hoops. They had those extra opportunities, but they couldn't can it because Adler was in cage. He was absolutely terrific. All right, tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock, over on the U, uh, Syracuse visits Carolina. Uh, There is some intrigue here. Chris Gray is on a chase for a record, NCAA record, 15 points away from becoming the all-time career point leader in Division I lacrosse. Gary Gates' team has struggled, and I think I'm being kind. Uh, Earlier lost this week to Cornell. But yet, these are still two historically rich programs, Kark. So you don't you don't take anything for granted here if you're uh, if you're Carolina, I'm sure. No, and look, Carolina still has a lot to play for, and if you look at their resume, um, they've beaten some quality teams. You know, Brown's a team that's reeled off some wins and beat Penn last week. That's a quality win for them right now. Um, you know, they've beaten High Point, they've beaten Richmond, they've they've had the similar season to Duke in terms of like they have those three or four wins from 10 to 20. They don't have the signature win. They're not getting a signature win against Syracuse on Saturday because Syracuse is four and seven 
And now kind of in that territory, this could be the worst season in Syracuse lacrosse in the last 40 years, which is absolutely bonkers when you think about it. They struggled in 2007 when they were 5-8. and eight. There's potential there for them to go 4-10. and 10. So this win will do nothing for North Carolina. But they still have Notre Dame, and they still have Duke on the schedule. So I think if, if Carolina goes 3-0, and 0, I think they'll make uh, the, the, the NCAA tournament. The issue is, can they go 3-0? and 0? Uh, Because this is a team, if you watch them play outside of, outside of uh, Chris Gray, they just have production. They're, they're a one-man. Whoop. Oh, and just like that, Kark is gone. How about he, that? he might be back. Yeah, I think he'll be back. I hope he is. I want to ask about Notre Dame. Yeah, because that's a big one too. Yeah, well, you know, we had Coach Corgan on this week, mm-hmm. and they're hot. I mean, smoking hot. And their schedule's kind of quirky, right? They played two games in four days. Right. And all of a sudden, they get a week off. And, I mean, you know, we talked about him getting his legs at the right time and all that stuff. And they may be the one that emerges out of this group that you throw them into the mix with what Virginia's doing and what Duke did yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday did nothing but help Duke in a big way. They, well, Clark said it. They had to they win had the game. They had to win the game. And they, and I, I thought they were dominant. Yeah. They were just really, really dominant. Yeah, and he, and he and Cotter outlined it yesterday. I thought it was really interesting to hear their conversation as the game went on about kind of how this fits for Duke. And then when it became evident Duke was going to win – to hear the bigger picture unfold too. But how about the fact that Danowski, who's coming up here in a second, coaches 16 and stinking O against Virginia in the regular season. Isn't it funny how there are certain sports and there are certain matchups that somebody just owns somebody. Yeah. It, it, sometimes it makes no sense whatsoever right. why that happens. But what Duke does to Virginia and men's lacrosse in the regular season is against the law. Don't you ask your question. Clark's back. Is Clark back? Yeah. Hey, Paul. Almost. I'm no, we don't have about that. Oh, there oh, he is. There he is. Okay, hey, go ahead. I, I wanted to yeah, ask you. I wanted to ask you about Notre Dame, uh, and I know you had mentioned yeah. this when we talked last week about you got a sense that offensively they're starting to find the rhythm. We had Corgan on this week, and uh, he talked about their how quirky their schedule's been lately. With the two games in four days, and I had some time off. That maybe it's the perfect storm for them, starting to get their confidence back offensively, get their legs back because of the schedule that maybe Notre Dame's the team that we now add to that mix moving forward. I said a few weeks ago that was the most dangerous team in the ACC. And and the reason I said that, Pac, was because if, if you look at their losses, they lost to, you could argue, the three most talented teams in the country, in Maryland, Georgetown, and Virginia. And then they had the Ohio State loss, too. But they're 5-4 and four right now. And by having some lineup changes, right? They put Jake Taylor, who's basically occupying the inside area, and they don't ask him to do really much outside of finishing the ball inside, so he's occupying the paint. This offense is totally different since he was in the starting lineup a few weeks ago against Syracuse. He had eight goals in that game. He had five this week against Marquette. This offense is clicking because he's occupying a spot on the field that he's established, and it's defined now in terms of the inside finisher. And everyone around him outside is eating because of that. Because you have to protect the paint if you're defending against Notre Dame. So now guys like Pat Cavanaugh and Wheaton Jackaboys, who are perimeter players, they have the room to operate, and they didn't have it earlier in the season. This is a team I, I think is potentially, if you look at the record at 5-4, and four, this is the most dangerous 5-4 and four team unequivocally in college lacrosse. So I, I think they're trending in a, in a serious upward trajectory. 
North Carolina is the team right now, and they can answer the bell against Syracuse and get back on track. They have a much better record, but they're kind of trending on a, a downward trajectory. Just the, the eyeball test right now for the Tar Heels, because it's only Chris Gray offensively. There's not a big supporting cast in Colin Krieg on the, the defensive side and the goal. Like, they are completely carrying that team, and they need support for those two players. Yeah. Hey, uh, Kark, you and Cotter have a big time over there. I've already given him some uh, early pocket suggestions. I think you ought to go to He's Not tonight. Go to He's Not over on Franklin Street. Maybe finish off at top of the hill, okay? You guys take care of that. I will, but I'll tell you what, because I I lost you guys there. I I need to up my my Hilton stats because all these other guys in the crew, they were getting like $15 towards the concession uh, at at the hotel, and I go up there. I'm like, I'm with this crew. Do I get this like – Oh no, sorry. You're only Hilton Silver. You have to be gold. So I think they killed my oh. Wi-Fi when I was talking to you guys too. You need a Shake Shack gift card. That's what you need, Car. Right there. <laughs> there we go. Hey, one hey. last thing. I, I saw. I saw the Mark Rick uh, cheese balls. You guys, cheese balls or meatballs? If you could only have one, oh. cheese balls. balls or meatballs? meatballs. What do you meatballs. 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 Come on, Car. Good. Come on. Good. I, on. I was done. I was done coming on this show. If you said cheese no, balls, no. no, that's a Mark Rick thing. No, no. That's a Mark Rick meatballs. thing. Hey, uh, be well. Safe travels. Great to have you with us as always. Thank you. All right. Paul Carcaterra, he and Cotter tomorrow over on the U, by the way, with uh, Carolina and Syracuse at 4 p.m. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Friday. Appreciate Paul Carcaterra breaking down, um, number one, Duke's dominance of Virginia yesterday, but also what's coming up this weekend. It's a great ACC sports weekend. Happy Easter to everybody, by the way. And uh, Blue Devils get the early start, quite frankly, on the holiday weekend. Uh, John Donowski, head coach of Duke, joins us this morning. And uh, right behind Kark's insightful breakdown of the Blue Devils' 17-8 win, Coach is just chilling now because Duke doesn't play again. Am I right? You don't play again until May 1st? Is that about right? Well, yeah. First, you have the Thursday night game, you know, which is uh, originally it was for 6 p.m. Uh, we moved it for uh, the weather, yeah. which never came. It was never showed up. Amazing. Uh, um, <laughs> but the uh, weather forecast was frightening, so – um, you know, we moved from six to one o'clock, and that was the TV window, and that was kind of surreal. Uh, so that gives us off this weekend. Everybody's in conference play, so it's really difficult to schedule somebody non-conference. You know, during during this time of year, and then next week, um, you know, we couldn't find anybody either because of conference play, and then we're in a finals, final exams. Mm-hmm. So we'll play Carolina Sunday after final exams. Wow. That's a long break, but maybe uh, you went to the break on the right vibe, huh? That's a great win yesterday, Coach. Actually, it's – I don't know if it could have worked out any better. You know, the ACC schedule, um, the last four weekends, uh, beginning with Syracuse, Carolina, Notre Dame, and then Virginia on a short week, um, probably a great time to uh, – we gave the guys three days off, you know, for Easter, and uh, we'll see you on Monday, get back to work, and get back to the lacrosse camp uh, for two weeks. Coach, Wes and I were talking about this during the break. It is weird in sports, no matter what the sport is, whether it's men's lacrosse, tennis, golf, football, whatever, how certain teams just happen to, whether it be matchups, but certain teams just have other teams' number. And the fact that you're 16-0 and 0 
uh, against Virginia in the regular season. I mean, that, that Virginia team is legit now. We're talking about back-to-back natties. They, you know, they, it is a world-class good. It doesn't even make any sense that anybody could be 16-0 and against anybody that's just okay, much less an elite program. So why is I mean, how is it that that can happen, whether it be men's lacrosse or any other sport? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even I, – I couldn't – the only thing I can tell you is this, is that, you know, because they are so talented, because they are so um, – there's su- such a great lacrosse tradition, uh, everybody knows about Virginia. Um, mm. You know, I mean, this is, this is a 70-, 80-year-old tradition. Great history of great coaches, uh, as you said, uh, great players, uh, great recent history – uh, you have to be really focused and know that you're going to get embarrassed if you're not ready to play. Um, and, and the games were always, you know, terrific games, uh, you know, great environments, um, good crowds. People are excited. Um, but, if, if, you know, your attention has to your, your attention to detail has to be complete, um, you know, which is true every weekend in the ACC. Um, and it's no different. You know, certainly it's no different, uh, you know, playing Virginia. What happened to the slow starts yesterday, John? Because everybody kept – I mean, Chris Cotter was with us yesterday. He said, you know, Duke has struggled early in games. And, you know, you guys were – we all know the implications of the win yesterday in terms of postseason. But you guys came firing out of the gate yesterday. I mean, fast start, great offense. Adler standing on his head in goal for you. I mean, what, what changed for you yesterday? You, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's not just a matter of um, – you know, uh, young men um, playing with a chip on their shoulder. Hmm. You know, sometimes at Duke, and, and I think at a lot of, you know, higher-end places where the, the bar is set so high every year, uh, that can really weigh an athlete down. Um, it can really, you know, cause a lot of mental havoc, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes being the underdog, and, and uh, as we know, there's a little bit more fight, a little bit more edge, uh, when you have something to prove, um, everybody who plays Duke gets their best shot, you know, and that happens on the first day of the season. You know, we learn that from watching basketball every year. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to beat Duke. Everybody wants to, you know, play really well. Um, and, and maybe the, the roles get reversed in this game. You know, Virginia's ranked higher and, and our guys have something to prove. And, and, and let's face it, you know, um, Virginia was a little banged up. You know, some of their better players uh, were hurt. And that, that factors in a little bit. But, uh, you know, for sure, um, you know, maybe that we were just a little bit edgy, uh, edgier than we've been. Coach, I mentioned uh, how you've just owned Virginia in the regular season. The last time Duke lost to Virginia in the regular season was 2004, which ironically was uh, Adler's freshman year. Uh, <laughs> How long is he? How long is he allowed to play? I mean, is he coming back for his ninth year at Duke next year? I'm just curious because it seems like he's been there forever. Well, it's only his it's only his second year, but it is his sixth year. Yeah, uh, and uh, and and it worked pretty well for Miami basketball. So that's true. Um, you know, Michael is is a young man who's taking advantage um, of the you know of the pandemic. Um, of the extra year of eligibility. He had an extra year of eligibility when he left St. Joseph's um, because he did, did not play his freshman year. Graduates from, uh, graduates from St. Joe's, gets his master's degree in business last year from the Fuqua School of Business. And then we have a new accelerated MBA program. 
So he applies for the MBA program, gets accepted. And so now he'll leave college, um, play lacrosse, you know, five varsity letters at two different schools and three degrees. Sure, Undergraduate degree from St. Joe's and then two degrees from Duke. Is that impressive? Um, he'll, be able to get, he'll be able to get a job. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah there's no question. And we've had him on the show, and he's a delightful dude to talk to. And yeah. but just watching him just ball yesterday, I mean, he was just making crazy saves left and right. And, and as you mentioned, that to me, that story that you just gave us regarding Mike's background and what he's going to walk away from with college athletics, that is somebody that has taken advantage and has applied the ability to say, guess what? Regardless of what you do for a living. I took the full advantage of what college is supposed to do, and that is educate you and put you in a better position moving forward. Exactly. And, and, and you know, sometimes we, you know, we, we're so excited about sports. We're so excited about winning and losing. But, you know, every once in a while, we forget about our mission. Yep. You know, and, and you know, and we get the revenue sports and, and the, the conversations are different. But in men's lacrosse, you know, the mission is to, to, to get to school, to graduate and, and and there is life, you know, after what we do here. Uh, I want to I want to ask you about the holiday weekend because uh, we've been told our crack research staff here that you're going to have a house full. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're really excited. Uh, my daughter is uh, and her husband are in town with our two grandchildren, and um, of course Matt and Virginia have uh, their three. Uh, and so um, uh, Easter Sunday Mass is going to be celebrated in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Hmm. Uh, you know, Father Mike, uh, which is a cathedral of its own. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a really a fun weekend. All right. Now, so you're coached to everybody else. What are you to the grandkids? How does that go? Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. My daughter actually coaches lacrosse at Beth Page High School on Long Island. Right. You know, her team is currently five and one. Uh, our grandson, Charlie, who is five years old, sc- scored his first goal. In the, uh, I'm sorry, six years old, scored his first goal in the Farmingdale first grade uh, PAL game last week. That's wow. cool. So um, you know we've got a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. So yeah, what are the cool. what are the grandkids call you, John? Well, at Matt's house, uh, I'm I'm granddad, you know, grandpa. Um, but in and <laughs> uh, Kate's house, I am Beans. Beans, um, which uh, Beans, which is uh, short. My nickname. Uh, from junior high was Dino, you know, contraction, I guess, of my last name. And uh, Dino became Deans, became Beans. Uh, <laughs> Beans, I guess, were easier to say than Ds. I love it. I love everything about that. Hey, That's get ready. Get ready. Next time on this show, oh, yeah. we'll look forward to talking to you, Beans. Yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, there you go. Before, gotcha. <laughs> before we let gotcha. you go and get ready for a big Easter weekend, um, Walk-up music. We've been asking coaches. I try to get Mario Cristobal to give us one. He, he's not playing the game with me. But uh, walk-up music. Give me a song specific to you to get you jacked up in the morning, whether it be game day or just a regular going-to-work day. Right now we got Billy Strings, After the Mire. All right, there it is. Right, there we go. Beans has got his song All right. moving forward. You're the man. Yeah. Appreciate it, Coach. Congratulations. Yeah. Enjoy the break. Enjoy the holiday. Thank you, guys. All right. John Donowski, head lacrosse coach at Duke. Great coach. Absolutely. And a big win for his team yesterday. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. 
Packer and Durham on a Friday. Again, uh, Easter weekend. So make sure you enjoy family this week mm-hmm. if you can. Yep, there you go. Uh, busy lacrosse hour for you here. John Donowski, Paul Carcaterra already in the hopper. Now we go to the Commonwealth. Dana Boyle was uh, on the call at Clockner last night for Virginia, Carolina. Top-rated Tar Heels uh, kind of made that thing look uh, matter-of-fact, didn't they, Dana? They honestly make it look so easy. They're so dominant. Um, Jenny Levy played at UVA, so there's some rivalry there between the coaches. But uh, for a second, I'm going to put on my Wahoo Wah hat, and it was a little hard to watch the Hoos in the second half, but um, trying to remain biased. trying 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 um all right carolina has won 40 straight regular season games 40 i mean dana that's just how do we process that in women's lacrosse i don't i don't know if you do i mean they haven't lost a regular season game yes it's 40 games but in three years three years they have not lost a regular season game that just blows my mind. It's incredible. Their talent is off the charts year after year. But you remember last season, they were undefeated, mm-hmm. just like they are this season, but they couldn't get it done in the Final Four. I know they remember that pain. So this year feels a little bit different to me. I think they're connecting a little bit better. There's a the chemistry on offense, in the midfield, on defense, and it's something that's in the back of their mind. They know we have to get the job done because last year we were in the same situation and we were poised to win, and we didn't. So it'll be interesting to see. They got one game to close out their season against Duke, which is a rival, and then the ACC tournament. So it's on the line. Dana, it's funny for me. This is just a personal observation. Uh, We saw this in women's basketball. NC State and Louisville Mm -hmm. were up here. The league is really good. It's deep. But there was NC State and Louisville up here. And they played once in the regular season. And it was a crazy comeback win by NC State at home to come back from really from the dead to beat Louisville. And I just kept opining going, man, I can't wait. I want to see this game again. I'm starting to feel the exact same way with women's lacrosse. We saw North Carolina, B.C. Spectacular, right? Jamie Ortega over here, Charlotte North over here. If you love goals, love offense, great players, great coaches, all that stuff. And I'm starting to feel exactly like I did with women's basketball. I need to get North Carolina and BC at least one more time. Is that possible? Hopefully. I think so. If the lacrosse gods are in our favor pack, Hmm. then hopefully we do get that. Um, I mean, that game was incredible. Boston College, UNC, one goal game, talent off the charts, physicality, incredible. I'm so emotionally invested in the ACC, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, I didn't play at Boston College or UNC, but I love both of their coaches, their team, the players, staff. That is like the epitome of lacrosse, and that is lacrosse at the highest level, and we need that because we just do. All right. I want to I tackle an angle here, though. You've already mentioned Duke in relationship to Carolina has Duke left, and Duke plays BC this weekend. And somehow or another, the Blue Devils are capable. And, and maybe they're one of the most improved teams as the season is more on here, Dana. And now all of a sudden, here's Duke playing BC. Well, that's where Charlotte North started her career. And it just seems like there could be some weirdness to the script because they're both in the top 10. And yet, look, we're as guilty as anybody. We talk Charlotte North 24-7 if you'd let us. 
the idea of her greatness. But now here's the old, you know, the old school, if you will. There's something weird about this at one o'clock tomorrow, I think. I would agree. I think if you asked me in the beginning of the season, I would have said that Boston College would have blown them out of the water. But Duke only has one loss. Like, nobody's talking about Duke. I mean, they did cruise through their February schedule. Their strength of schedule isn't amazing. But this game means a lot. It's personal for the Duke women's lacrosse team. It's personal for Boston College. I mean, yes, you have Charlotte North. But on the offensive end for Boston College, you've got a lot of different playmakers. Bell Smith, Sydney Scales on the defensive end. There's a lot of key talent. But then on the flip side for Duke, they're also operating in a very good fashion. This is probably the best Duke team that I've seen since 2015. I mean, they got Katie D. Simone, she's number four. She's just a sophomore. Then you got Kat Berry, and you got a great goalkeeper in Sophia LaRosa. They're also really talented. Also, that should have been a Sports Center top 10 play because that was absolutely incredible. But you just saw Virginia Tech play them. They got challenged a little bit. So this will be interesting. I think they'll get up for this game because it is a Boston College, and that is where Charlotte North started at Duke. But they have to win this game if you're Duke because this matters in the overall seeding because their strength of schedule isn't great. So this is a big game for Duke. Dana, you just mentioned Virginia Tech. I know that's one of your favorite teams, and uh, what a cool job, right? I mean, all of a sudden, we, we talk about these traditional powers, and here comes Virginia Tech, kind of some new blood in the league, right? I love Coach Skyra. I think she was on in the fall, so I'm going to champion for you guys to have her on again because her <laughs> personality is infectious. I've called a game there at Virginia Tech. I've spoken with her a few times, and she just has this love for lacrosse. She also played at Duke, which I love, so ACC connection. She coached under Kirsten Kimmel, but what she's done to this Hokies program so early in their season, I mean, she basically came in, thought maybe it would be sort of a renovation project, but it wasn't. She's essentially built the culture from the ground up, established chemistry, got a lot of players that were there that she didn't recruit, but she's done such an excellent job getting that team on the right track. And they've had some really quality wins. They beat James Madison. They almost beat Duke. Didn't play their best against Boston College, but I am very excited to watch them play in the ACC tournament. It's interesting. We're going to talk about the ACC tournament. We know the women are having one. The men are not going to have a tournament format this year. Here's here's my question. We, we look at where it's going to fit for the big tournament, the NCAA tournament, Dana. How much ground does the league have to cover, and how many do you think go? Is everybody just a lock on this, or we got some concerns? Well, everyone makes it into the ACC tournament, but for the NCAA tournament, mm -hmm. for teams mm -hmm. like Virginia, who's in jeopardy of not making the NCAA tournament, they have to do well in the ACC tournament. Notre Dame, they have below 500 record. That's not great. Pretty yeah. untraditional for that program. So this means a lot for the programs who are on the bubble if you want to make it into the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're going to allow all of the ACC teams to be in the NCAA tournament. There's no way. My guess is four, maybe max. And one of those will be the automatic qualifier who wins their ACC tournament. So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, the ACC is the strongest conference, but they can't let everybody into the tournament. What's going on with Syracuse? They can't seem to get off the uh, injury bug, can they? I know. I feel really bad for them. They just lost Emma Tyrell right before the UNC game. It's injury bug similar to what you guys were talking about with Kark with the Virginia men team. The Virginia women's team also have injury bug. Syracuse, they've got Emma Tyrell. She's out. They've got Emma Ward. She's out. And then Meg Carney, she's day-to-day. -day. She's recovering from an ACL. It's it's difficult. But last year they had a lot of injuries, and they made it to the Final Four, and they made it to the championship game. So 
don't count the orange out. I know Drew Carter and Anish, they'll be very happy that I'm talking about Syracuse. They have a <laughs> fond love for the institution. I, I get it all the time. They somehow try to find a way to get Syracuse in every sentence, even if we're not covering them. But I am very hopeful. Kayla Trainer is an incredible player, but she's also a great coach. So I know that she'll do good things and they've got a lot of talent and they run deep on their bench. I am, uh, I am fascinated on your take about this. And I mentioned Charlotte earlier and you saw Jamie Ortega live last night. Um, Kark says that he thinks Charlotte North, I'm not trying to, I'm going to paraphrase Charlotte North might be the best lacrosse player, male or female right now in the college game. Jamie Ortega can't be that far behind, Dana. I mean, the numbers are just as unbelievable as what Charlotte's doing. Are we looking at the two best female lacrosse players of the last 10 years? Longer? Oh, man, that's a difficult question. I think Jamie and Charlotte are so different in the way that they play. Charlotte's very powerful, strong, and Jamie's like a slippery, sneaky player who just gets the job done. But I would say that they're changing the game for the better. I think players like Kayla Trainer, Jen Adams, you know, they've really established Michelle Tumalo. Mm -hmm. They've really established a new wave of women's lacrosse. And then it's been fun to watch players like Charlotte North and Jamie Ortega come in and, you know, elevate the sport. And they're definitely putting women's lacrosse on the map. I think a big part of that is social media. So now you get to see those highlight reels, which Charlotte North is a walking highlight reel. So I think that's really helped. But Charlotte and Jamie are very different, but they are incredible players in their own right. And they are absolutely putting women's lacrosse on the launch pad and it is blasting off. And we couldn't have two better representatives of the sport. By the way, is that the uh, over your right shoulder? Yeah, is that a Bennett. Tony yeah, Bennett signed Bennett basketball? basketball? Is that what you got yeah, up there? That's what it is, Tony Bennett. Yeah. It is. Once upon a time, I used to work in the athletic department. So I got that as yeah, a gift when I left. Yeah. Huh. How about that? I didn't cost you a thing, huh? Just, no, just kindness. That's free. Yeah. Kindness. I'd be willing to trade the basketball for maybe a mug and a hat for Packer and Durham. Well, the hat's completely out. I'm not, I'm not agreeing to it. But how about I would this hat? How about, how about, how about this, this hat right here? This hat right here. <laughs> I, already, I already got a helmet. I, that's, oh, no. oh now, now we're picky, Brandon are we? Hurts. Now we're yes. picky. All right. Well, first of all, let's give you an update here, Boyle, before we get too far down the road. Uh, the hat is completely out of the question because we have no idea. So is the mug. The mug at this point. Let me show you a Packer and Durham mug. Swear to God. Look at this one. This was a Packer and Durham mug. It's the uh, – and look, that's really all that's left on here is this little period. You can't even see it. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's the point. You it go to the dishwasher, it's a it, problem. Yeah, it was a Packer and Durham mug, and I put it in the dishwasher, Dana, and it came out, and we started to call it the Czechoslovakian collection because the only thing that remained were, like, consonants. Yeah. And so now I've been in – it's been in the dishwasher so many times. The only thing left literally is a dot. <laughs> Look. That's it. Look. There you go, Dana. How about that, huh? That's it. That's all we got. Come on, we got to get Aaron Katzman to put a little bit more on the budget for the swag. Don't oh, <laughs> welcome to our world. Listen to Dana calling speaking, out the front office. Speaking our language. Oh, okay, we have been Dana. Beating welcome. That drum Maybe like for... a T-shirt. Oh, 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 oh T-shirts? No wait, chance. Wait, just, Come on. Let's walk, you asked for a hat and a mug. Now you want apparel? before we run, all right? Let's Come walk on. before we run. Let's just kind of work on them oh. one at a time. Come on, Dana. One at a time. All right. Hey, uh, thanks as always. Yeah, you it. do have to shoot the shot. Look, there again. See? Here we go. Lacrosse people shooting shots. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. 
Boys are chilling out. Excited about Coach K's new pup. Yep. Named Coach. In case yep. you miss that, leading off the show today. Happy for Coach K on that deal. Now. About that, right? How do you think that first night went last night with Coach? <laughs> do uh, we? Are we sure the dog actually went home with him? I bet so. Okay. You, you saw the way K was hoeing that butt. Man, you listen. When the guy gets his new dog like that, right? Never lets him out of his sight. Yeah. Guarantee you. There you go. All right. Immediate bond. Look at this right here. In case you missed it. There's Coach this K. This was last night. Now he lost his dog Blue. And I said, the first thing he needs to do in this season is get him a pup. And they surprised him last night. And just, just look at the expression. I mean, that is pure love right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little man, look at the big old paws. Uh, he is going to live the life. Like, hey, there's oh, Mike Krzyzewski. There is, there's the master. Yeah. Lick him on the forehead, see how it tastes. Yeah, it tastes like bratwurst. Yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Tastes like a Chicago brat. That's going to be my man for the rest of my life. Oh, man. Coach and Coach K. Um, love everything about that. Yep. How about uh, a couple news and notes to share with you about spring sports? Let's uh, let's start with softball, shall we? Keely Rochard, second player in Virginia Tech's program history to achieve a thousand career strikeouts. She is so good. That was last week. Oh, I mean, she did it Tuesday, but it feels like she's had a thousand, right? Uh, so good. Virginia Tech snapped Miami's fourteen game streak last yeah, night. Huh? This was a big series. It still is two top teams. Listen, Canes ranked number two in the country. Hokies cracked the top twenty five this week at twenty one. Right. Uh, you see that uh, Charlotte North is now twelve goals away from uh, tying the record for the most goals in Division One. Um, Must watch television. Yeah, Every absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you online. Plays. However, you get to it. I'm telling you, Charlotte North. Is uh, is worth the price of admission, and uh, when she gets rolling, it is a thing. Now she won't she won't have twelve tomorrow, but uh, it's coming. Yeah. Let me tell you something. She she have to watch her play. It's amazing. She will do something every single game that you go, wow, look at that. Yeah, it's amazing. ACC Women's Golf Championship semifinal match play uh, begins tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. You can watch that coverage on ACCNX. Florida State and Wake Forest tied for the lead. They're seven ahead of Duke. And if we want to get to the uh, player leaderboard, uh, interesting to look, you mentioned this yesterday. Brinker shot 65. Phoebe Brinker of Duke threw a six, five at him. That is low. <laughs> My gosh. Red seven. Um, minus nine for the tournament. Yeah, nine for the tournament. Uh, Kristen Jankari of North Carolina, five under, uh, you know, four shots back. And then we go to Rachel Keene. She's three under. Beatrice Waleen, two under. Those are the notable players that we've been following as amateurs. And we finally well. got the name right. We, we've, we've, we've had Waleen, her, we're gonna, we're gonna we've go had with, her on twice. I don't think we've gotten her name right yet. And well, she's been too kind to correct us. Yeah, we're going to get to that next time. We'll have her on one more time. You know when I knew we had screwed up? When I heard Mike Tirico <laughs> pronounce it correctly yeah. at Augusta. And I'm thinking, well, we thought it was Beatrice Wallen and it's Waleen. Yeah, but she's a cool, she is fun to talk yeah. to. Rachel man. Keene is too. Yeah, yeah, the ladies are great. Uh, today is April the 15th, and of course, it's a special day in baseball, but this year, it's the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson shattering the color barrier and setting the stage for a momentous change in society. Today, a Clemson softball player shares the inspiration she draws from Robinson, including the number 42. It's part of our series, Black History Always. What I see and wear 42 is resilience. 
I remember I played middle school, you know, ball, and there was, you know, probably about two of us, and one of the girls quit because she's like, oh, there's not enough, you know, African-Americans on the team. It can be discouraging at times because you're like, you know, is this game for me? I mean, I'm the only one out here. Me not feeling like I was welcomed on certain teams when I was growing up. I think about it all the time and just how, man, now I'm here. That's the main reason I went for it too, because that gives me that, I mean, I can do it. You know, I can do anything I put my mind to, because that's what Jackie Robinson did. It was just kind of an eye opener of, you know, everything that he went through, you know, just playing a sport he loved like everybody else. You know, how he was just discriminated against and treated differently. I was like, man, he had to go through all that. You know, not only, yeah, on the field, but at home, people come to your house, you know, you have a family and saying, you know, slurs, just threatening your life. That to me was tough because then you start thinking about, okay, with his wife, you know, being alone, like, how was that for her? Getting in her car, you know, going home and people, you know, just coming to your house, you know, just saying, saying all types of things, you know, try to get you to stop playing the game. I don't know, you know, that, that, that's, that you have to be a different type of tough. You know, that's how you know it was in him to play the game and break that barrier. You can tell that he made the best out of every time he was out on the field. It was like entertaining to watch. You're like, man, look at him out there playing. You know, basically expressing himself through the game. It's just that type of energy that you feel watching somebody play, knowing that they're leaving everything out on the field. He is like the blueprint. You know, the way he did it, you know, that's that's the steps you don't want to follow. And I know there's quite a few people, you know, that be like, oh, What's your number? 42. And, and some people don't click. That's Jackie Robinson. Some people's like, oh, why do you choose number 42? And I'm just like, why did I choose number 42? I said, do you know Jackie Robinson? You know, I'm like, man, what are y'all thinking? He's the one that took that extra step. You know what? I may be ridiculed and, you know, discriminated against, but I'm gonna take that extra step. You know, so others, you know, behind me, you know, are not afraid to do it either. You know, and I feel like that's a lot of times we're afraid to be the only one, the only African-American, you know, to, to play this certain sport or, you know, to do something different. He did the hard part. And now it's just us building up that courage and be like, hey man, Jackie Robinson did it, he was out there on that field, why not me? By the way, Morgan Johnson's birthday is January 30th, one day before Jackie Robinson's, mm -hmm. and the Clemson outfielder raised in Georgia. And that's, of course, the state where Robinson was born as well. So, Only Dodger I ever liked. <laughs> I was, yeah. I think I, you said that, I think, a year or two ago, and I understand why. It's, it's the only one. The only Dodger. It's yeah. one. Yeah. Period. Not Steve Garvey. Not, no. No, no. no, no I figure no, Steve no, Garvey no, didn't no, really no, have a please, chance at all. Please, bite your tongue. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Uh, something wrong with you? Fall down a flight of stairs? What's wrong with you, Durham? <laughs> Steve Garron say no. Wrong answer. Reggie Smith. Clayton Kershaw, a little soft. Can't, can't quite Stop. go nine. Stop. Don't do that. Can't don't, go let's there. Don't, Clayton, let's don't do huh? That Your arm hurt. Let's don't do that this way. Jackie Robinson, let's, touch class. Let's, let's. Only Dodger alike. Okay, got it. Well done. The Packer and Durham Podcast.